this is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. I'm glad you could join us for today's episode. And uh, this is, I think, an a intriguing topic and one that has not yet gotten enough attention. And that is the female ADHD tax. Um, girls and women with ADHD and how it is underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed. And my guest today is Deborah Brooks, a psychotherapist in Ottawa, Canada, mm-hmm. whom I met at the recent CADRA conference in Montreal. Uh, and she has studied this area extensively. Deborah, welcome to the program. Thanks, David. Nice to be here. I'm, I'm quite excited. We will be talking about expanding on this idea of the female ADHD tax and how it uh, how it comes about and what it involves. So, Deborah, how did you come to that, uh, I guess, that name for it? Well, my interest in this began from uh, my awakening of kind of what ADHD was, and I started to notice it more and more in my office and I was seeing, now I do predominantly see females, but I was seeing the effects of um, undiagnosed ADHD in women. They were underemployed, struggling financially, broken relationships, uh, single moms, uh, and just really struggling. And what was devastating was the really poor self-esteem And it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. And if we want to make any progress, that has to be addressed. So I started to look into it further and do research. And I am actually doing a master's in public ethics right now. And I'm doing that because I want to write about mental health in a way for other people outside of the mental health profession. Right. As people don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was something close to my heart. I also have ADHD and, um, you know, I haven't made the most practical decisions in my life. I've made decisions for uh, peace, you know, and sanity. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I do have a group of female psychotherapist colleagues all that all have ADHD as well. And we started to talk about this topic and uh, we all had very, very similar experiences. And mm-hmm. so there's really something to this started to do the research. And there is a lot of research out there on this topic. We have known for a long time. Um, uh, the big difference is uh, boys are diagnosed at four times the rate of girls. And mm-hmm. that's because it presents differently, sure, but also the different uh, social expectations of girls. You know, I think that the stereotype 
in most people's mind mm-hmm. is young boys, young hyperactive boys have ADHD and they grow out of it by the end of high school. Um, 50% of people who have ADHD are, have the inattentive type and are not hyperactive at all. Um, and certainly girls have it. It'll be interesting when, if ever the, all the misdiagnosis comes up to, um, not being made as much are girls as likely as boys to have it because all the research has been on times when girls and women haven't been diagnosed. Yeah. And then the hyperactive part, yes, you're socialized to 10th grade. You don't get up and start walking across the classroom and maybe you're talking a lot or interrupting, uh, but you've probably learned to not do that or you're in sports, you're in a lot of active things that mask the hyperactivity and adults um, are still hyperactive in many ways. So it doesn't go away. It does not. I think I read something recently that 90% of uh, children with ADHD, it progresses uh, throughout life or continues. Yes, there are. Yeah. There are some that seem to really outgrow it. Many at age 30 may not have the full criteria. Okay, they have three fairly identifiable of the nine criteria for ADD, but they're still impaired by it. Yes. Yes. There's a subclinical area there. Yeah, where there's still impairment. And also looking at the strict diagnostic criteria that misses a lot of things. It misses um, the whole emotional regulation side and specifically misses a lot of things that women and girls would identify as, oh, yeah, I do that. Well, okay, that's very typical of ADHD. Yeah, I was thinking the big one that is in the criteria that a lot of women experience is this rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And that Mm -hmm. is from a lifetime of being told, you know, what's wrong with you? Try harder if you, you know, applied yourself. And and then also not learning the social cues or knowing what's wrong and talking too much, not listening. They have significant impairment in relationships. And then at some point, they just expect rejection. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely common. I whether it in men, it's it may be more. Uh, well, I'd be speculating, but certainly there's a if one perceives someone with ADHD perceives being ignored, rejected, discounted, bang, either angry or depressed. Yes, um, turns it inward. I'm bad. I made another mistake, or yeah. Um, you attacked me and it may have been something as simple as did you empty the dishwasher? Yes. Or even a positive social encounter. uh, Mm. They will ruminate over for days after assuming they must have done something wrong. When maybe Uh, they haven't. Yeah. Just that heightened self-consciousness that they can never do or say anything right. 
it strikes me in looking at a number of the uh, questionnaires, for instance, uh, Terry Solden uh, came up with one um, that is a, a screening set of things for women specifically, and Kathleen No for Medo, Kathleen Medo for girls, uh, and many of the ones that Terry uh, came up with were about kind of the being perceived as not socially acceptable or up to speed. Are you afraid of having, or you don't invite people over your house because you're ashamed of the mess or Mm -hmm. um, you don't get thank you cards or birthday cards out in time. And because you're disorganized and maybe you have two kids and a job and everything else to take care of. Um, And, but that's not something a man would worry about. Right. In terms of, well, guys are going to be used to seeing stuff around as long as the table in front of the TV has room for the snacks and the couch is, is clean, then great. We're good. And yeah, it's so that's a, a difference in the stereo, stereotype, but I think it, it holds true. Well, it is a stereotype. And, and I think in the changing gender roles, some things have not changed completely yet. If you go to someone's home to visit and they are married, the expectation is that the wife is and should be doing these things. And if it isn't that way, it's her failing, you know? And um I think the same thing with child care and, and a lot of those things still. Mm-hmm. Um, I related to the card one, like when we were speaking earlier that I read that in the questionnaire and I laughed and looked at my pile and I have just started to send them out late now, better late than ever. But yes, my husband doesn't feel the desire to send thank you notes. It's just not something he was raised to do. But as a Mm -hmm. female, you have to show that gratitude and uh, reciprocal relationships. And almost the, the female has the responsibility of the household to write the thank you note. Yes. That's the expectation. So that the social expectations, which um, girls certainly feel, at least um, judging by the questionnaire that uh, Dr. Nadeau came up with, feel socially ostracized. Um, and don't know how to fit in if you like they don't fit in. Boys may feel the same. Um, and I think that's the inattentive, whether it's in girls or boys, gets missed because it's not obvious. Yeah. One physician here in the Seattle area uh, whose work was all in ADHD um, did uh, made a videotape with girls and boys and teenagers about their ADD. And he asked the girls, you know, do you daydream in class? Oh, all the time. Would the teacher know it? Oh, no, I'm not dumb. I'm looking at the teacher. (laughs) Yes. And boys aren't even bothered with that. They're obviously looking somewhere else and and just spacing out. So the... Uh smart try to fit in masks some of the behaviors that otherwise would be uh, seen as, oh, this is pretty much ADHD. 
Yes, as as girls, so much importance is put on how we look and how we present. And mm-hmm. so, yes, to fit in normally, we're going to want to look a certain way and we're going to present in a certain way, even if it's difficult. We will do that. Mm-hmm. So then there's the, the masking. I see, yeah. uh, and it, I've seen it enough to know it's, it's a very typical pattern of girls who are bound and determined they are going to finish the homework. And it's not just because they're perfectionists, but some, some are, but they will be up till 1 a.m. finishing homework. So then they're sleep deprived because they have to get up at five or I mean, six 30 or so. And so they get great grades. Well, you couldn't have ADD. You've got good grades. Yes, good grades, but two t- tutors and five hours of homework and you aren't involved in any social activities. Boys give up by 7.30 and hit the video <laughs> games or whatever. Um, so girls, we'll girls are masking it. Yeah, they'll work much harder to hide it and to fit within a normal, what they perceive as normal. Mm-hmm. And, and to not get criticized, avoid criticism. They're and I think a, a lot of perfectionism in girls or in boys is... If I'm perfect, if everything exactly right, I can't be criticized. And that, I think, goes back to the criticisms as ones even up to before five, six, seven. You can't do anything right. How can you can't do this? You don't remember things. You're losing things all the time. Your brother never does that. And it goes on and on. So how do these kinds of things manifest as the the uh, female ADHD tax. So if we look at a, a girl that isn't getting diagnosed and has it, she mm-hmm. is up with those messages. She's working very hard to get to a certain point, but in not getting diagnosed, she's not finding out what her deficits are related to the ADHD. So does she have a processing problem? Does she have a memory problem? All of those issues. Mm-hmm. And at some point, typically within the school system, she's going to hit a ceiling of what she's able to do or not do to continue, right? Mm -hmm. So typically, uh, they're less educated, uh, undiagnosed females. And, um, and then the job prospects are affected by that and underemployed and not Mm -hmm. making what, uh, they might if they had been able to work with this disability, you know? And and then if they have children, whether they want them or not, yes. then that further takes them out of the job market or possibilities in jobs yes. um, or getting further ahead in their education. And 10 times more likely to have unplanned pregnancies. And you mm. can see how that could happen socially. You know, if mm-hmm. that self-esteem uh, persists and the shame, they, they're looking for attention often in the wrong places and vulnerable to um, unwanted attention as well. And it certainly could be, oh, I did I take my pills this day, <laughs> yes. week, whatever? Yes. 
um, because the birth control is often assumed or supposed mm-hmm. to be um, on the woman in a relationship. And if she's forgotten the pills, then um, there's a problem uh, that it certainly could lead to a pregnancy. So, and this is the forgetting and and just intentionally putting it aside, but it's on and everything's on the same level of importance. And this is true for anybody with ADD, yeah. unless one specifically looks at the things there are to do and puts a priority on them, well, they all kind of have equal weight. Exactly. Can't prioritize well or advocate for themselves or, you mm-hmm. know, like might just say, oh, okay, if you promise, you know, um, so that that's a big problem. And um, and then having children with less resources, so it's unlikely they'll get diagnosed. And then it's just this vicious circle. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think I mentioned, we talked about how when you have kids, the, um, the need for executive functioning goes way up because you're man. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, that is often a very, very difficult period for anybody, but especially women with ADHD, undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, there are some, and I'd say the exception, where it's evident that husband and wife, man and woman, are discussing and looking at how do we uh, divide up the tasks. Okay, you're going to get kids ready for school and do the morning stuff, and I'm going to do the afternoon or um, whatever. But more often, it's, well, dad's off to work, getting kids dressed, that they have lunch, get them out to the bus. That's all things mom are doing, moms are doing. And, or they're the ones, maybe dad takes a child to child care, but then mom picks up, well, mom has to leave work early or has to bustle around and try to get kids all set and to the child care in time or to school in time so she can get to work. But one or more of her children may well have ADHD, and that's a struggle for anybody. Yes. Um, to get a child with ADD ready to go to school. Oh, isn't it just so challenging? Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and you know, uh, the misdiagnosis piece. So a woman, by the time she gets to, let's say, 30, and maybe she has a kid or two, she probably has been misdiagnosed or maybe not misdiagnosed, mm-hmm. but with depression and anxiety. So she may be medicated thinking, oh, that's the issue. And it might mm-hmm. not really effectively treat it, the medication. And mm-hmm. sure. compound the problems, really, in some sense. Yeah, but what's, and I think uh, many people, particularly with depression, well, what's wrong with me that I'm not getting better? I'm not doing something. This medicine should help. Well, yes. we know medicines don't always answer often don't answer fully everything going on with depression mm-hmm. and i have seen more women than men 
they come in and yeah, I'm on a medicine for anxiety and yes, they're anxious because they are measuring up and they know they aren't in mm-hmm. all the various areas that some with ADD is expected to. Um, yeah. and I say, okay, after an evaluation and looking at everything, yes, I think you have ADHD. Let's, uh, if you choose to take medication, let's try that. And she'll come back in two months and say, I don't need that anxiety stuff anymore. Right. It was ADHD. Uh, sure. Many people do have generalized anxiety disorder as well as ADHD co-occurring. But Mm -hmm. many times, and usually it's a woman that, well, I don't need the anxiety. Then she's been misdiagnosed with anxiety when the background is the ADHD. And I think often the reason a mom comes in to be have an evaluation is because one of her children was quite definitely has it. Or a friend says, you know, you may want to look at this because my teenage daughter just got that and I was learning more about it and, you know, I know you pretty well and Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the way a woman comes in, not because it's been recognized at school. Certainly, I don't think workplaces recognize ADHD as a issue much less suggesting to someone they get an evaluation. Every once in a while, uh, I hear that, yeah, my boss suggested it. I don't think anyone wants to suggest to their boss that they have it. Yeah, um, exactly. It doesn't work in that direction. Yeah. Um, but the misdiagnosis is, is definitely there. Or, okay, you're someone who has the rejection sensitivity, they get angry. They have this mood variation. Oh, you're bipolar. Yes. They're going yeah. on medications, and then that label carries through. Or borderline, you know, the emotional situation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for me, I don't know that I ever would have been diagnosed if my son hadn't. And what is interesting in that piece, too, is he has the same kind as me, the inattentive. So it was the zoning mm-hmm. out. It was the processing that the school noticed. He was spotted and diagnosed. And I was reading some literature by teachers associations, and they actually say for the most part, boys and girls do with ADHD present very similarly, but the way the girls will be dealt with is different. It's treated as a behavioral problem, and with the boys, it's treated more as a neurological problem. Right? It's a very different approach. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, and I think in schools, they t- do tend to focus on the behavior. Um, mm-hmm. not if someone's frustrated at themselves, I can't, um, figure out things on this test. I'm going to get behind them. I'm not going to do well. And one boy, I think he was in third grade and he just got so angry threw his pencil down. Well, the teacher interpreted that as violent behavior and emptied the classroom, and they had to come up with this behavior management plan for him and totally missed the boat. And I think with with girls, it's, well, you know, you were upset, and yes, you're moody. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure... From what I've heard, I 
can't be personally assured, of course, but that women are more moody in the week before their period and have PMS or PMDD, mm-hmm. depressive dysphoria, depression. Mm-hmm. And that can be an excuse. Oh, okay, it must be your time of the month. No wonder you're upset yeah. or whatever. Um, but not think about the link between the PMDD and girls who have ADHD. Which and- is um, a higher percentage of girls with ADHD have PMDD than yeah. not. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, there are lots of ways along the lifespan that this is difficult. And the next one is the, the perimenopausal and menopausal women. Um, mm-hmm. huge spike in symptoms around menopause, which, which, uh, in some sense can almost mimic ADHD with, uh, even if you don't have ADHD. So for right. the women. Right. You have it. It, it is really, um, it destabilizing can take us out of work. Um, and yeah. And, and uh, the drop in estrogen you know, is a lot of that because estrogen, it turns out helps dopamine function better. So if there's lower estrogen, um, then that dopamine connection isn't working as well and it can, be off enough, even if someone does not have ADHD. Um, yeah. But definitely some women will say, yeah, my medicine, it seemed to be doing pretty well, but it's not, it's not working. Yes. And some women, even with the estrogen drop every menstrual cycle, they need to take, or one way to deal with it is take a little bit more medicine that week. And but at the same time, there's that that cost of the moodiness and things, which is yeah, the ADHD part fits in there, particularly when it magnifies these other things. Yes, yes, and very so, difficult at that age to tell what is the difference here. What is what mm-hmm. is that? You really need a good life review to see how yes. it played out. And um, I was mentioning that here in Canada, that's that's very, very difficult to find now uh, with primary care physicians. Um, you could get a psychologist or a psychotherapist, but they cannot diagnose. Uh, the psychologist can diagnose, but they cannot uh, medicate. So mm-hmm. there's these barriers. And then if we think about uh, a typical woman with ADHD and how impoverishing having this undiagnosed disability can be, uh, a full assessment here costs in the range of about $3,000. Oof. Yeah. And now some, uh, if you're well employed and you have insurance, you can likely um, get some of that covered. But you know, that's a lot of money to spend. and Yeah. And what I see in this country, and, and I've been surprised recently, people say, yeah, I can't get an appointment with a primary care for three months. Um, and that's if you already are established in that practice or know they are taking uh, new patients. And so 
to me, it comes down to an aspect of time. It takes time to really dig into details in making a diagnosis of ADHD, sorting out these kinds of things. Some positive answers on a screening test do not equal a diagnosis. And there certainly are not enough psychiatrists to do all those evaluations, much less help people with bipolar and schizophrenia and everything else. Um, So in both Canada and the U.S., there's this shortage of physicians, clinicians who have the time to diagnose. Unfortunately, some of them also skip over. Well, oh, you've got a college degree. You couldn't have ADD. Um, You're a professional. You're an attorney. You're a physician, whatever. That's not, that isn't going to be what's going on with you. Yeah. So that. Or or even just your results. If, if you had ADHD, they would have spotted it when you were a child. Not, not mm-hmm. for girls. Tough. Unless and you I, presented like a boy, you know, and mm-hmm. were off the walls, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, and this is just a speculation in terms of if the male in a relationship, in a marriage, has mm-hmm. ADD, well, he's more likely to have a lower-paying job or shift jobs more often. Right. And if his wife does not have ADHD, well, then she's got to deal with that plus children. Mm-hmm. So there's almost a, an indirect tax that she's paying maybe on her career and having a relationship that's not working because the male has it. If both of them have it, boy, Yes, a mess. It can be. Yes, yes, it can be. So, yeah, the other piece I'm just thinking as you're saying that um, this um, ADHD can make women dependent, you know, on their partner, uh, Mm -hmm. on the structure, on the finances, on the just being able to get do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. so I, you know, I think about Dr. Barkley. I watched one of his talks recently and he was talking about how if we could just, if, if physicians would just accept that this is a real thing, um, uh, besides depression and anxiety and maybe explains it, it is mm-hmm. the most treatable, um, mental health, uh, problem. Most treatable. And, and possible to normalize with medication, uh, far more than any other psychiatric condition. And Absolutely. So it's, uh, that is often my objective in my work is to help people figure mm-hmm. that out and get the right resources and this, and the, the support in the meantime and to build mm-hmm. up self esteem that has been devastated over a lifetime. You know, I I think in terms of their support, um, Canada and and here in the U.S. and Canada anywhere, um, and Attitude Magazine have Mm -hmm. webinars that has a lot of support groups of people in different situations, families, college 
kids, LGBTQ, any of those kinds of things. Um, we don't have any organization like CADRA and CADEC where professionals in Canada decided we need to educate other professionals about ADHD. Mm-hmm. And right, is it 16 or 17 years ago that started and um, there's we have guidelines for diagnosis and information about diagnosis, but then it's education arm for anybody, school, yeah. teachers, public, someone who's, um, has a relative with ADHD so they can learn more about it. Well, and now physicians would take the time to not think it's, it's, um, non-existent. What I've seen, and a little, I'm not too surprised, unfortunately, that many critically primary care docs, they don't want to have anything to do with stimulants. And, uh, yes. because, oh, that's a schedule two medication. You get addicted to those. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I think stigma, they lump it together with the opioid crisis. Man, yes. oh, I'm just going to have all these drug seekers and everything. I can, there are fewer than 10 people in my practice 18 years and over 3,000 people with ADHD that have, or patients, most of whom have ADHD. Okay. Very few are seeking yeah. amphetamines. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think someone truly well-diagnosed actually has ADHD is at risk for getting addicted to amphetamines or methamphetamines, so amphetamines are more common because if they take more than works, it does not feel good. Yes. There's no euphoria. It's a negative thing. So there's no incentive to take more and more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, they are addicting substances, but very, very unlikely to be addicting to someone with ADHD. But yes. that stigma of, oh, you don't want to, um, the doctor, I don't want to be involved with prescribing amphetamines to someone. And patients, no, I don't want to take those dangerous drugs. Well, yes, uh, it's much more risk to not take it than there is to take it. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, still my understanding is the majority of people even diagnosed with ADHD do not take medication for it. I think it was about 12 to 20% of people with the diagnosis mm-hmm. medication, which is internalized stigma, right? I'm afraid of it, or I don't have a healthcare provider that's explaining it to me well enough. Or I don't want to be, I see a number of people, well, I'm trying to taper down because sometimes I, sometime I want to get off this. Um, yeah. And it doesn't work that way. Folks, it'd be nice, but yeah. just. Um, another yeah. kind of question I have for you, or I, my understanding is that a lot of the stimulants are not tested beyond people older than their 40s. Is that, um, is that true? I think they, they often it goes up to 60s, um, but certainly not above that. And there's even more stigma, I think, in um, the medical community of 
oh, you're 72. Well, that's definitely not a good idea. It's going to be a problem on your heart or whatever. Huge, huge study in which was, I think it was 1.8 million people in the U.S., 2.1 in Denmark. So almost 4 million people looking at if someone had ever taken Adderall or stimulant for for anything and never taken it and comparing rates of heart disease ah, okay. and morbidity from heart disease. It was a minuscule increase with Adderall, like 0.01%, hardly any. So taking Adderall is not a long-term risk to your cardiac health. Okay. Not taking it, you're more likely to be overweight, more likely to have high blood pressure, more likely to have cardiac disease. So, again, the risk of not being treated is higher than, in this case, a very low risk as far as heart health. Yeah, and risk of accidents as well and all kinds of things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. And as um, Russell Barkley has has done a number of studies. I don't think there's anyone better at looking at statistics and coming up with an accurate statistical analysis that having ADHD is a risk factor for early death compared to those who don't have it. Yes. Partly because of the accidents and, and the addictions which are more common in people with ADHD than not. Yes. So there's a lot of factors in there. And yeah, certainly I, I would say I had the internalized stigma and I tried medication, didn't like it, uh, but I tried it for a week or two. And when I first got diagnosed in my 30s, and it took me 15 years to get medicated. And I will say at this point in my life, it is my biggest regret because mm-hmm. it, it, uh, I did not even realize what I didn't know, you know, yeah. or how yeah. much better things could be. Um, so here we are. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I wasn't diagnosed, hadn't been aware of the impairments I had mm-hmm. until I had a position as a physician clinician in an office and also as administrator of that same office. Uh, that doesn't work. I'd be walking into a weekly meeting thinking, oh, yeah, agenda. I didn't do one of those. And trying to come up with it at the time just did not track on a lot of things. And at that point, um, someone suggested, well, maybe you want to, uh, see about ADHD and I said, what? Um, so, saw a psychiatrist and after an hour and a half, very extensive interview with all kinds of things. She said, yes, it, it's pretty evident you have an attentive ADHD. And my first question was, how do you get through med school with ADHD? She mm-hmm. said, that was your hyper focus. And that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I just love the field of medicine. I love studying it. So I could put in the time and concentrate very well. Now, organization and planning, that's definitely not ever been a strong sense. So, mm-hmm. and 
starting medication certainly didn't make all that uh, fall in line. It's learning strategies and keeping track of things and making yeah. an effort to do that. And to bring it around to uh, a woman with ADHD, even yeah. after diagnosed, say, in her 30s, 40s, mother maybe has a career, the time to incorporate, okay, some routines and have a way of tracking what's coming along with her kids, different ages, different sports, different school activities, and they have to be taken here and there. And I think that the solution I've heard that's most helpful is to have a whiteboard. Each child has a different color. Mom and dad have a color. And you have the sports and who needs to go where. But that's a a strategy and medications, whether it's to the kids that are taking medicine and mom is, you still have to have that basic strategy there. And maybe mom's the one who has to put that together. Uh, yes, often mom is the one to put it, have to mm-hmm. put it together. Yeah. And, and the other thing I would say too with women is often like what we're describing is emotional labor as well. Right. A child comes home. They've had a tough day. Some bullied. Um, you're often carrying the emotions of the family. And, uh, this can really destabilize. Uh, and emotional mm-hmm. dysregulation is a real thing in ADHD. And, uh, um, certainly neglected in any of the criteria. And there's already a stereotype for women that were more emotional. So this dysregulation Mm -hmm. uh, makes it even worse or more shameful, maybe. Um, So I I do hope going forward there will be uh, more more work on that, more recognition of um, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, the mood stabilization. A number of people tell me when I take my Take one, Adderall, methylphenidate, folklin, mm-hmm. whichever. Um, then yes, I'm more even. I'm not, my moods aren't up and down so much. Yeah. And that's helping smooth out that regulation. And, yeah. and that's not because they're euphoric and feel great because they're taking something, but because their dopamine is getting to where it needs to. The communication between different areas of the brain is working better. Yeah. And so that mood isn't uh, as volatile. Yes, an ability to cope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I would say with the medication, too, part of it is it also evens out your energy throughout the day, right? Uh, depending on how long-lasting it is that I can get through a full work day, I can feed the kids, mm-hmm. or I crash, you know? Um after holding it together all day. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of these uh, questions that uh, Sari Solden has in her questionnaire or sort of a, a screening. It's not been validated and all those kinds of things as far as statistically, but it definitely looks at how 
the kinds of things that show up for women and a woman looking at this and realizing, boy, there's a lot of things on here may encourage that person then to get an evaluation or ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, things like, uh, you request for one more thing at the end of the day, put you over the top emotionally. Mm-hmm. Are you clueless as to how others manage their lives on a consistent, regular basis? So mm-hmm. I think most people at me look that way, but internally here at home, it certainly isn't that way. Yes. Um, do you start the day determined to get organized and at the end of the day feel defeated because mm-hmm. you haven't made the progress you had wanted to? Uh, does mon- time, money, paper, or stuff dominate your life and for your ability to achieve your goals? Mm-hmm. That, I think, is yeah. almost typical of anybody with ADHD, but I think that this is worth woman of the household is may not always manage the bills and the money in terms of paying them, but she's the one who's more likely doing grocery shopping, keeping track of um, the money there, the mm-hmm. paper and overload of, of paper and saving things. Yes, I need that, though it's a typical ADHD thing out of sight, out of mind. Um, you can have a great filing system, but yes, I want to be able to remember I have this. So it's the pilot system on the desk. Yes. Externalizing the memory. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, the stuff around money is very interesting. Uh, likely for men as well, but the fact that men, uh, we talked about this as well, make more than women consistently in this country. It's about 85 cents uh, for for a woman to every dollar a man makes, given the mm-hmm. same job, same education, everything being the same. So uh, we have less to play with, less wiggle room in terms of uh, mismanagement of money. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Most women I work with have no clue how much money they have or what they've spent in the last few days. Um, it's it's almost like the equivalent of the time blindness, but with money. Mm-hmm. Just don't, don't know. In the moment, and, don't know. And whether one has a budget, I've been thinking maybe it's better to almost do it in reverse, look back at bank statements, credit card statements, what did you spend your money on? Yes. And then that may be the awakening of, oh, I can't go shopping all the time, or I, I thought we had plenty of money and did this and that. Yes, but that automatic payment for the car insurance has to be able to come out of that. Mm-hmm. So looking at the balance in the, in the account yeah. doesn't work because there may be two other payments coming up. So looking backwards at where it went may help inform the planning of how much there is to go forward. Yeah, and maybe it's kind of abstract the way we do banking now. You know, I use a card. I don't have any connection with 
mm-hmm. what that actually means. So um, I will suggest to people they start using cash for a while. Stop carrying credit cards. Go to mm-hmm. cash, feel it, and you're going to notice it more, what you're mm-hmm. doing. You know? Well, one uh, strategy on that is to have envelopes. This is the grocery money, the whatever, and you mm-hmm. put the cash in there beginning of the month and then what is only $20 well I guess uh, we can buy milk or eggs but not both and looking yeah. at, and and that's I don't think it's necessarily sustainable uh, maybe it is for many people but it can be a helpful awakening in it way to see, oh, this is where where we're spending money and no, there isn't any for uh, The other area that um, is maybe more specific to women is that we're expected to look a certain way as well. So mm -hmm. there's pressure to look a certain way and you couple that with low self-esteem and shame there may be more expense on that. And then you add on another layer of, I have sensory issues. I can only wear certain things or I buy mm-hmm. something and it doesn't feel okay. So I'm replacing it more. That um, I think that is often how women with ADHD get into a shopping habit. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a dopamine and, hit. Yes. And I, I think most men would just be absolutely flabbergasted at the amount it costs for a woman to have her hair done. Oh, my goodness. I, mean, I can go in and get a $20 haircut. Great. Can you get your hair done professionally at a salon for even twice that? Oh, it's 200. I'm revolting currently. Oh I cut all my hair off because I'm saying no right now, but I likely will go back, but I'm saving some money in the meantime. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, See, it's that- so expensive. Yeah, 200. Um, at the cosmetic in- industry, you know, all it's. Oh, yeah. It's, there's just so and diet. You know, uh, people with ADHD are more likely to be overweight and binge eat. And then, you know, what is that like for a woman? Mm-hmm. And emotional overeating. Yeah. Yes. So and it's, uh, it's certainly um, there for men as well. But yes. I do think it's more, more likely um, for women and that the emotional overeating part. Yeah. And, and restricting and yeah. among girls who have ADHD more have an eating disorder than yeah. among neurotypical girls in that same age range. Yeah. Which and it lasts a lifetime too. I have had some clients in their sixties uh with um a a spike in their eating disorder again. And, you know, being anorexic again or bulimic. And uh, it's something we think of as a youthful problem. It is not. It doesn't go away. No, no. 
and bulimia particularly in mm. anorexia is a much higher risk for various um, things that would end one's life sooner. Um, bulimia and obesity and heart disease and things like that. Uh, but there is definitely a health risk and it very, very rare in men. I don't haven't seen any statistics on uh, ADHD and eating disorders in men, but there's very few reliable statistics on eating disorders in men anyway. Yes, that, yeah, and perhaps needs to be much more research in that area. I'm sure it, I know it occurs for them too, but maybe mm-hmm. not at the rate it does for women because they don't have the pr- pressure women do in the same mm-hmm. way. Although it's coming, it's coming, and I see it, you know, with the six mm-hmm. packs. Yeah, all the pressure to look, uh, keep up with looking good. Um, and it, another, in this, maybe an indirect uh, part on the female ADHD tax, and I have not seen anything on whether it's, more common in women with ADHD or girls with ADHD, but the social media, mm. self-diagnosis, and so. Yes, I'm glad you're bringing it becomes up. A, yes. If, oh, I must have a tick disorder because I saw this on TikTok. Well, yep. that person doesn't know anything about it necessarily. Oh, and so. I have this disorder and that gives that person more social standing in their social media groups. Um, and yet go to a, a physician that would say tick disorders don't all of a sudden rarely start when you're 18 and they aren't a four step kind of sequence of things. It's clearing your throat. Yeah. Or something pretty simple. Yeah. And there are other, well, diagnoses that come in there that I guess more exotic ones uh, dissociative personality oh, I have multiple personalities or one thing um, yeah. and it okay. is the certainly depression is much more common in um, people who use screen media all the time think that social media things as far as TikTok, Instagram, and a bunch of other things that I've never heard of, but they're out there. Um, as far as comparing yourself and feeling down, you don't have this, you aren't like that. And yeah, I think men do too, as far as you don't have a six pack and you can't lose 40 pounds in 40 days, whatever, um, which is all usually hype and sales stuff to get you to buy some vitamins something but the incidence of suicide is higher in girls using the social media things are girls with ADHD more likely to uh, use the social media certainly more likely to commit suicide yes it's not more than the boys very scary. Well, I'm sure we could talk for another hour or two, um, <laughs> but we've uh, had a good conversation about uh, the various factors that go into the 
feel female ADHD tax. There's no doubt that ADHD has a lifelong effect on men as well, but it's much higher and more severe on women with all the responsibilities a woman has in terms of running a household, managing children. The and, male uh, in the household is often, that's the person who's usually always has the job. A woman may or may not. Um, but the, the burden of running the household and the executive function demands more often are on a woman in a relationship. And that uh, costs a lot as far as loss of self-esteem if she can't keep up and all kinds of different things. So it's been fascinating to uh, talk about this with you, Deborah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Great to spend time with you. This is Dr. David Pomeroy saying uh, so long for now. Glad you could come join us and look forward to having you join us again. Mm-hmm.